The MMA on the Rocks podcast is intended for adult audiences and does contain some explicit content. So if you are not an adult, please make sure your parents do not know you are listening to this and do not repeat anything you hear on this show in front of them. Also a reminder that even if you fight recklessly, please remember to drink responsibly. Now that we have that out of the way, let's get to the show. Welcome to MMA on the Rocks. My name is Bill Welker. You are listening to episode 197 of the podcast. Or you're joining us live on YouTube or Facebook. It's that time again. We're doing a brawl crawl, folks. This is our version of a fight companion. Just, uh, you know, more booze, I suppose. Uh, Today is Saturday, June 27th, and we are currently watching... UFC on ESPN 12 headline by lightweights Dustin Poirier and Dan Hangman Hooker. Before we get into the fight action, let me introduce my co-pilot all the way from New Jersey, Jeff, the animal, Wilson. Jeff, how you feeling on this eve of brawl crawl, my friend? Oh, I feel great. It has been an exciting card so far. And I think it's going to get better from here. We're down to our last three fights. I'm excited for all three of them. But, Bill, it has been humid today, man. Uh, It's supposed to rain. I don't know if that's going to be, like, now or later. But um, there's supposed to be this massive storm system going through, like, um, Ohio, Pennsylvania, and Jersey. So, hopefully, my basement doesn't get flooded. (laughs) <laughs> you know you can only hope for that um you gotta you're preaching to the choir here though kid like it's it's humid and it feels like it's gonna rain pretty much every hour of every day here um but yeah man i uh i'm glad this card's been going pretty quick because i've had like the most dad day ever i woke up and um i had to i had to spread some mulch in the front yard. So I, I uh, filled the kiddie pool up and we brought the, brought the kid outside, let her play in the kiddie pool while I was like shoveling mulch all over the yard for like three or four hours. And then I found like a broken sprinkler head and then uh, put her down for her nap, had lunch, went to Costco. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm, I'm trying to compete with, with Daniel Cormier to be the daddest man on the planet. Well, it sounds like you're doing a good job so far, man. Yeah. And then we had to go to our first, uh, toddler birthday party since the quarantine. Jeff it was a social, socially distant toddler birthday party. Um, it, it was for our good friends. So it was like, we like had to go and there was, there's only like three kids there. So I don't know how much of a party it was, but they were gracious enough to have booze. And uh, we got our buddy Mark all the way from Australia on the show. Always good to see Mark here. Uh, and he has awarded 12 bonuses so far. And I'm with you on that, man. I, w- I wouldn't want to be the one uh, in control of these bonuses tonight. What do you think, Jeff? Oh, dude. Um, so first off, Mark, I agree with you 100%. I think that except for maybe the first prelim fight, all of them have deserved bonuses. And second, no, you are not going to see me under the influence on camera just because I'm a teacher. 
So, um, you know, uh, I see so many teachers getting in trouble in the news nowadays for, for things that can be avoided. So, um, no, to that question. But, yeah. uh, but Bill has seen me under the influence many times. Um, yeah, like way under. Yeah. Like Over six- the top as well. Speaking of which, Jeff, I love the shirt you're rocking. Uh, so for those of you who are unaware, uh, MMA on the Rocks t-shirts are available through our friends at Rip Life One. Uh, you can find the link uh, in the pinned tweet on my Twitter at MMA on the Rocks or in my bio on Instagram. Links are available there. If you want to pick up a t-shirt, if you find yourself often over the top or under the influence or both, uh, as we often do, uh, then go right ahead. Jeff, you were telling me you had a story for the folks. And I, I, I was you left me in such suspense because we were watching a couple of fights. Uh, we, were, we were on the uh, broadcast here before we went live, and you, you were saying, I have a story to tell you, but it has to wait for the show. So now now we're live, um, and I, I'm, I'm waiting in suspense here. Yeah, Bill, so I don't know if it's because of this newfound fame from the podcast, but um, <laughs> somebody messaged me through Instagram, and um, th- this is hilarious, and I'm just going to roll with it. And she, she basically like wants to get to know me better and wants me to be her sugar baby. <laughs> so because she told me she's a sugar mommy. <clears throat> but Bill, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm just being catfished here. Like, <laughs> have you ever seen this show on MTV? Like, this is this is the perfect setup for a catfish. But like, Bill, I mean, I've been in quarantine for like three months now, so I'm just gonna go with the flow a little bit and maybe make a new friend. I mean, it's probably some old guy in Houston who just wants <laughs> a friend. Um. So if it does turn out to be an old guy. Um, but he still wants you to be his sugar baby. Uh, is that still on the table? Um, I got to see what the payroll is. <laughs> uh, I, I need some numbers. <laughs> How sweet is the sugar? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I don't work during the summer, so it, some added income would be nice. Yeah. But- you got to say, listen, you have to you have to buy me a house in Tampa near, near my... <laughs> You're my friend, Bill, with a podcast studio in it. Um, or actually, if you lived here, you would just come. We would record in this studio. Um, yeah, you know, just just everybody has their price. You just gotta you just gotta figure out what your terms are, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, we don't even have to live in the same state, so whatever. But uh, the point is, you I just mean- phone it in. <clears throat> yeah. Like he could, like he could send me the money to like a Western Union, give me a password, and then I'll just go get it. Um, but yeah, you know, obviously, you know, I'm not a dumbass. I'm not gonna give away any important information. But I just think it's so funny because <clears throat> um, I'm like, dude, I've watched enough TV, and it, this sounds like a complete catfish setup. So um, meanwhile, there's this like totally hot older woman who's like a 10 who's just a fan of the show and she's loaded and she's like i don't understand why he's not responding like i i just i just genuinely want to take care of him for the rest of his life and she's like like a retired supermodel and she's just she's just looking for that sugar baby hey cash 
yeah, dude, that's the other side of the spectrum here. So, you know, happiness is at stake, Bill. Or maybe she got like a big divorce settlement and like her ex-husband like hated MMA. So she's like, let me find, let me find the biggest degenerates in MMA broadcasting. <laughs> and she's, she stumbled upon MMA on the rocks. Um, that's a, that's a great story, Jeff. I think we should start calling you Jeff the sugar baby. <laughs> oh, man. Dude, I was reading through those messages and I was like, there's no part of this that could be free. But uh, hey, listen, man, um, I'm always down to make a new friend. So as long as this person doesn't ask me for my social security number, we're cool. Yeah. Well, if there are any legitimate sugar mamas out there who are who are looking for a sugar baby, uh, we got them right here. So reach out, Animal underscore Wilson, Twitter and Instagram. Um, and and I guess have some kind of code word to let them know you're legitimate. Yeah, man. Um, but I'm going to tell you, Bill, I'm accustomed to a certain lifestyle, so it's not cheap. <laughs> so no shills, right? It's all it's a it's got to be a lifetime supply of Lagavulin. Oh, yeah, I can get that. I, yeah, I could take that as Peyton. Lagavulin and lobster rolls. <laughs> Mark wants to know if she's a Nigerian princess. No, so 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 far, uh, no. But there's a lot of red flags, Mark. So uh, you know, I'm I'm just talking to her nicely, and uh, if she asks me for money or any like bank account information, I'm just blocking blocking the number. Yeah, she's like, I want, I want to send you money. I just need your bank account or your routing number. <laughs> your bank code. Um, <laughs> I can tell you what is legitimate, Jeff, and it's the uh, tequila I've been sipping on uh, since we started watching a couple of fights a little while ago. Uh, Bill, the bottle's empty. <laughs> yeah, I've been sipping on it frequently. <laughs> the, the last of it is right here. Um <laughs> <laughs> I I saved like this much of it because I wanted to talk about it on the show, but it was so good um, that that I went through it. I, I've been drinking a lot of tequila lately, Jeff, trying to be healthy, you know. Uh, <laughs> nice. But um, uh, Espanita tequila. I, I mean, I've never seen tequila that comes from anywhere except Mexico. Um. But you, you have to make sure it comes from Mexico. Uh, Los Altos is usually a good region uh, to look for. You always want to make sure 100% agave. Uh, this is an aged tequila on Yeho. So uh, I, I've been into the aged tequilas lately because they're nice to sip on. Um, so they, they basically do – it's basically uh, tequila that's aged like bourbon. You know, they take the tequila – uh, it's got the sweetness from the agave and then, you know, it pulls, pulls, uh, some more sweetness out of the, out of the barrels. So this one has like a real, like light woody flavor, like almost like pine. Um, and it's got some vanilla to it too. It's really nice. You can see it. It's got, it's a got, got a much woodier flavor than the color leads on. Cause it's very light in color. It's so it's kind of deceiving, but it's super smooth, uh, just enough sweetness, and um, it, it complements his fight card very well. Sounded good, man. Um, so, Bill Mark Fellows 
just uh, said wiser beyond your years, Jeff. And Mark, uh, I'm not wise at all, man. I just watch a lot of TV and uh, watch enough episodes of Catfish to smell <laughs> when I see one. Yeah, the other one now is uh, 90 Day Fiance. My, my wife's been into that one. And <clears throat> I, I wouldn't say I watch it, but I'm like occasionally in the room. Like, like doing work on the computer or whatever while she's watching it, and it it's pretty hysterical, man. Like, just people from other countries, like these these like total fat slobs here, get get like these beautiful women talking to them, and of course they're just looking for citizenship. Um, but these guys, like, they always believe the girl like really wants them, and they'll they'll be from like Vietnam or. Russia or something. Yeah. <clears throat> Some country where communism doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> so that's any country that's had communism. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Oh, Bill, I think I saw one episode of that and it was just like I thought it was either citizenship or money. Although Bill, I would not be opposed to getting married to someone if they wanted, you know, citizenship. Just you know, as long as the price is right, man, you know, if we're talking like 10 grand, I'm game. Yeah, man, for sure. Uh, while we're, while we're still kind of talking about the tequila, Mark wants to know the difference between, uh, Añejo and Reposado. Uh, can you tell us a literal, what's the literal difference, Jeff? Like, what do they mean? Wait, what was the one called? Reposado? Yeah. Um, well, I don't know what añejo means in Spanish, but reposado, I think that means like uh, to rest. Yeah. So it's basically there. There's three stages of tequila. It's like when it first comes out, which is the the silver, which is probably the most popular kind. You know, if you order a margarita, that's usually what you're getting. Um, and then the the reposado, I believe, is is aged less than a year. Something like that. I happen to have one right here, too. But I was looking to see how long this one was aged. Uh, and it doesn't say. But the Añejo is usually aged a year or more. This one was aged 18 months. Um, so it's it's nothing like, like bourbon, where it's like 4 to 25 years, where it's sitting in the barrel. But, um, <clears throat> yeah, and it's just you know, different flavor profiles and, and different price points as well, because obviously the longer it's aged, uh, the more that bottle is going to cost. Usually general rule of thumb. All right. We got John Volante here up against Maurice green and man, Volante was having a good time in quarantine, man. He weighed in at 255 pounds for his heavyweight debut. This is a guy who knew, normally fights at 205 and he, he was never like, a humongous light heavyweight. You never thought like, Oh my God, how does this guy make two Oh five? But Jeff, you, you missed him at the weigh-ins, didn't you? Yeah. I haven't seen him yet. So this is gonna, this is gonna be interesting to say the least, but dude, he went up like five weight classes, man. Yeah. But he looks like he ate ally Quinta. <laughs> there's a good possibility that that happened. I'm concerned. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's always had a lot of power. Now he'll have a little bit more behind it now that he put on the COVID-50. Sheesh. There he is. He probably gained like 15 pounds each yeah. of quarantine. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's it's impressive, man. <laughs> like you really got to try, like you really got to train your body to put on this kind of mess. Oh yeah. Serious dad bod. I mean, he could have just I don't know. I mean, I'm interested to see see what happens here. Meanwhile, Maurice Green looks uh, like a shredded 255. Like he he belongs in this weight class for sure. Yeah, dude, Maurice Green is the real deal, dude. I remember his season of the Ultimate Fighter and just being impressed by him, man. He's pretty well rounded. Well, Volante's pretty well rounded now too. <laughs> No, he's just rounded. That's different. No. We're at uh, if you guys want to sync up with us, we're at four minutes forty seconds of the first round between Jean Vellante and Maurice Green. Um, big leg kicks from Vellante. That extra fifty pounds behind those leg kicks has to hurt. Oh yeah, man, that'll tear up your ACL real quick. I'm liking the quick kicks from Maurice Green. We're seeing we're seeing like some really evolved striking from him. Switching stances, but um, he's switching stances a lot, but it doesn't really seem like it's with much purpose. Um, there, it, there it was. He switched right into the jab. That was nice. All right, Bill, you got to give me a sec. ESPN Plus just froze on me again. All right. I'll keep you posted here. Volante just stalking. Volante is looking for a big shot so he can finish this fight and go have a big sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, man i and and volante is a guy who looks you know he looks like a supermodel this guy you know they always joke about at, at uh longo weidman mma like how handsome the dude is nasty low calf kick from green that's not something you see a whole lot in the heavyweight division Oh, man, dude. Oh, Volante. Dude, if you put Volante's body with... Um, who was that other heavyweight who won earlier with the knockout? Bozer. Yeah, so if you put Bozer's head on John Volante's <laughs> body, you would get Roy Nelson. <laughs> 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 I feel like he could beat Maurice Green. Um, <laughs> well, you know, Roy Nelson was like, oh man, he just got like a full, he just got like a full like sidekick to right on the dick. That could not have felt good. <clears throat> he doesn't need anything else to suck the wind out of him. Oh yeah, dude. But he's got the muffin top going, so it might have it might have uh, canceled out some of that damage. Bro, that's a butter loaf. That's not, <laughs> that's not a muffin. <laughs> what kind of muffins are you eating? <laughs> Mark says the Canadian moose. <laughs> Volante and Stipe are good friends, so I wonder how that works out if uh, if he ends up staying in this heavyweight division. Oh, goes for the head kick there and is. His midsection almost took him off balance. <laughs> yeah, dude. Maurice Green, a uh, huge heavyweight too, man. Um, you know, he's one of the bigger guys in this division, which feels a little weird saying about a heavyweight. Yeah. 
<laughs> I'm not hating on Volante either, though, man, because you know, I was uh, I was throwing a lot of beers and bourbons back during the quarantine myself. I gotta, I gotta get myself back into uh, back into fighting shape too. So we're in the same boat, him and I. Oh yeah, dude. I, I mean, I didn't gain fifty pounds, but <laughs> it's. Oh yeah, dude. I hear you. Still a handsome dude. Probably still, still uh, pulling a lot of chicks right now. Yeah. If you look at his profile picture on Twitter, it's still him like ripped with a six pack. Wise move. The freaky thing is, he could probably get that back in, in like a couple months. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe by the next fight, we'll see. But, um, Bill, I don't know, man. I feel like Maurice Green is a tall order to make your heavyweight debut, man. Yeah. It, uh, I'm really impressed with how quick he is with the kicks, those those front kicks and those oblique kicks, the low calf kicks. You can see Volante's left leg is already, like, turning purple. Oh, yeah, dude. <laughs> like a pork shoulder right <laughs> After about 24 hours of slow cooking it, that's what it looks like to me. It's tenderized. It's got that smoke ring on it. Oh, yeah, dude. And Maurice Green is doing a great job of controlling the distance here. Uh, Volante is having a really hard time getting inside, which is where he needs to be. Volante six foot three. Doesn't look like it in there. Yeah, he looks like a middle schooler standing next to Maurice Green. <laughs> Somebody said Mark said he looks like Chad Mendes. <laughs> oh man <laughs> he does look really small <clears throat> alright that was a clear first round victory for Maurice Green I think this is pretty one sided what are your thoughts Jeff yeah dude Maurice Green is doing a good job of controlling that distance using the jab using those kicks and you know um, Bill you do Muay Thai if you can connect with your jab the kicks are always going to be there man oh yeah for sure I was actually uh I was teaching some Muay Thai recently. I was teaching that very thing. Like if you can, if you can touch them with a jab, you can kick them anywhere. Um, so, you know, f find the distance and then use it. Um, <clears throat> especially in Muay Thai punches don't really count for anything. Ooh. You know, they're, they're kind of points, but like they, that's not what they want to see. They want to see big body kicks. They want to see big trips um, and head kicks and elbows. That's what they're really looking for. But yeah, man, fun night of fights so far. This uh, this this card kind of snuck up on me. Like it was, it was a lot of uh, a lot of pleasant surprises. I mean, not as much as uh, a couple of weeks ago where we had that phenomenal card. But um, you know, there's some great fights on here. Now we'll get into it after after this fight's over, or maybe after this round. But yeah, <clears throat> Volante um, looks like he's struggling to put weight on that lead leg right now, um, and it's a lot of weight he's putting. <laughs> oh yeah, dude! And you have to wonder, you know, how much of those fifty pounds are muscle? Uh, how used to ha carrying that extra weight is he? Because yeah. that, those are all factors, man. Yeah. But I mean, hey, credit to him if he if he wasn't if he wasn't training, because I know I know Longo closed his gym down like before it was mandatory in New York, 
And a lot of the guys were training like uh, I Quinta was training like in his basement or something. And he, that's where Aljo prepared for his fight with mm-hmm. Corey Sanhagen. Um, and like uh, Frivola was training and then Frivola came down here to train. Uh, but, you know, for the rest of those guys, I don't know what they were all doing during the quarantine. Like we, I don't, we don't know if Volante was training at all or if he would just like go and get like some mitt work and he was just doing, I don't know, smoking a lot of pulled pork. Yeah, dude, credit to these guys, man, to stay that motivated, you know. And Maurice Green is the much faster fighter here. His hands, his feet, his footwork, everything, much quicker than Volante, who's moving up a weight class here. And he's having a really hard time getting inside. He's breathing heavy. Uh, but you know, Volante still has that power, man. I mean, you know, he brought that with him. So if he's able to get in there and just land one bomb, I, I definitely believe he's got more knockout power than Maurice Green does. But Green is just controlling the, the pace and the distance so well here. He looks phenomenal. Yeah, dude. Um, you know, I, I think part of that hand speed is also the length of Maurice Green, dude, because, you know, by the time Volante throws a punch, you know, um, because of the reach, Greens will probably get there first. So uh, credit to Maurice Green, fighting a smart fight here, man, using the distance, using his kicks a lot, um, especially the teep. We've seen that mm-hmm. as sidekick to the gut, man. Uh, I don't think it's a bad strategy. Yeah, and the sidekick to the nut. <laughs> Saw that too. Uh, <laughs> I see a bunch of people joining in on here. Let us know uh, what you guys are drinking out there. Uh, if you're if you're having some adult beverages while you're while you're watching the fights here, yeah, Volante is looking for that night ender man. He wants to he wants to get Green out of there. But you know, credit to him if he hadn't been training this whole time and he got the call and they're like, "You want to come fight at heavyweight?" And he's like, "Yeah, cool." I mean, that's that's how you get opportunities in the UFC. I was just hearing Chael Sonnen talk about it last week. I was talking to Sean Shelby, I think, because he had a fighter who was looking to get into the UFC. And he said, you know, what's, what's the secret to getting in the UFC right now? What are you guys looking for? And he was like, honestly, I have over 500 fighters on the roster. I, uh, I'm contractually obligated to offer them three fights a year. We're not doing as many fights as we normally do. So for those who don't know, that's how the UFC contracts work, where the UFC, if you have a three-fight contract with them, all they have to do is offer you three fights. Do you want to fight this guy? No. All right. Do you want to fight this guy? No. All right. Do you want to fight this guy? No. All right. That's it. UFC did their part. They don't have to do anything else. If you decline three fights, you're basically like don't want to get paid. Um, so that's how that goes. And he said that he's having a hard time because, you know, a lot of guys haven't been training and girls haven't been training because of the quarantine and everything like that. Volante just, just swinging for the fences here, man. He's looking to just, he's just looking for that night ender. Yeah, man. He might get it too. If he starts setting it up, you know, and, and stops walking into those leg kicks, you know, if he's, if he's able to like, I, I'm surprised too. Like maybe, like change levels because Volante is a good wrestler. We always talk about this. He never uses it. Like you'll never see him go for a takedown. He just wants to straight box you. 
Yeah, but um, Volante has got to figure something out, man. He's having such a hard time getting past the hands of Maurice Green, man. Every time he, he goes for one of those home run swings, he's met with a jab or a knee or a body kick. So, you know, he I don't know if he's got to, like, move around more. But um, Maurice Green, man, is making it a very difficult night for John Volante here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man, for sure. Um, so I, I was saying that the UFC just has to offer three fights and then it's, it's up to them, you know, if they take them or not. So he said the, the best way to get into the UFC right now is just to be in shape and be ready. Uh, we, we saw it from Julian Arosa tonight. I mean, he got, he got the call, um, five days ago to fight tonight and he just needed five extra pounds, catch weight. And, uh, I'm loving these catch weight fights, man. You know, I'm not mad at it. You know, now's now's a perfect time to to start doing those and and start making the cases for adding those extra weight classes, the one sixty five, the one seventy five. Uh, you know, maybe get a couple of those in there. Yeah. Uh, Good. And uh, I was just going to add to what you were saying about uh, how now's a good time to get into the UFC, man. Um, you know, for all you young fighters out there, you know, I'll never be a fighter. I'm not built for it. But, uh, dude, take advantage, man. Um, get your name out there. Right now, everybody's watching, you know. Uh, no, nobody, Nothing else is going on. I mean, the soccer game back, but soccer's lame, dude. Um, <laughs> Jeff, you're like the biggest soccer fan I know. That's because you're the only soccer fan I know. Yeah, and, and I put on some weight during quarantine. But <laughs> the point is, I know what I'm talking about, Bill. Soccer's boring. I'd rather be watching people punch each other in the face than watch soccer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, now's a good time. Like, if you're you, – you, you just got to be ready and be in shape because, you know, even even people who lost on the Contender Series are getting those phone calls now because they're just going through that Rolodex trying to find, you know – people to step up right now and that, that's how you're going to get an opportunity to get in there so if you're dominating the local circuits or the smaller organizations but you're you know putting on a lot of weight in between fights you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot and i i tell young fighters this all the time like the number one thing you can do for yourself is be ready and the second thing is market yourself you know be be relentless, you know, tweet the UFC. If they're coming to your hometown, let them know you're there, you're available, you're in shape, you can make weight. Uh, and, and those are the best favors you can do for yourself. Um, we had a little stop in the action here in the Volante fight. I didn't, uh, I didn't see what happened because it was kind of going on a rant there, but it looks like Volante got poked in the eye. Yeah. Doctor's looking at his right eye. Now he's struggling to see. Let's take a look at it here. So Green goes for a kick. Volante's legs kind of buckle, and he's leaning in for a like a big left hook. And Green was had his fingers extended, trying to push him away. Can't do that, man. That's the new rules. Can't uh, reach out with your fingers extended. Yeah, man. Getting poked in the eye sucks, dude. I've only ever had it happen to me one time. And, you know, I was lucky. I was just training with, with a buddy messing around. But, dude, it sucks, man. You just start seeing white out of that eye mm -hmm. and, and until it goes away, man. It, it's horrible. Yeah, it's it's definitely no fun getting poked in the eye, especially when you feel like you're you, – you feel like pressure on you. Maybe not as much in this scenario, but, like, when there's a crowd, you feel like there's that pressure to, like, get – oh, shit. 
<laughs> Velate just, just landed a, a short left hand on green and sent him down. It, it looked like he dropped him pretty hard. It looked like a flash knockout almost. Now he's landed big elbows. Oh man. oh, man. This is the break he needed, man. This is it, baby. He's he's emptying the tank here, but he kind of has no choice. Because if he doesn't put him away, he's going to lose the fight. This could be the comeback of the night right here. Yeah, dude, he, he was definitely down two rounds, probably three rounds at this point. So he needs a finish here. But, man, that was yeah. a huge – what was that, a left hand, I think? Yeah, that was, a, that was a short left he put him down with. That was really nice. And now he's breathing heavy. But now being on top of Maury's green, this is where that extra 50 pounds comes in handy because he could just lay all that on him. He was landing some big elbows there, man, but – he, he's giving Green too much time to recover here. Yeah, man, he's got to get active. I mean, e even just use your wrestling right now and go for the mount or something. But uh, yeah, those extra 50 pounds are going to come in handy now, Bill. It's gonna, it makes for a very good top game. Yeah, that's 255 pounds on Maurice Green's throat right now from the top half guard. And his, his guard is like totally open. Like Volante could just step right out of it. He could step right into mount. He could step right to side control. There's nothing stopping him except that he probably doesn't feel like moving right now. Yeah. You know what would be really wild, Jeff, since he almost finished him there and the judges give Volante a 10-8 and this fight's <laughs> a draw? Because <laughs> oh, that, that could happen. Like he, That was the closest either fighter has come to finishing the fight in the whole fight. So it would be it would be reasonable to give him a 10-8 for that. And then clearly Maurice Green won the first two rounds. You got yourself a draw right here. Oh, yeah, dude. But uh, I would like to see some more activity from Volante. Uh, you know, I'm a little scared because, uh, you know, I have the volume muted, as do you, Bill. And I'm a little concerned that the ref might stand him up here. But, um, man, Volante is breathing heavy, dude. I don't know if he can do any more than what he's doing right now, man. Yeah, he can't even step that leg out of the guard. That that wide open guard of Maurice Green right now. His legs are not even touching. His legs aren't even touching. Why isn't he passing? This is a Matt Sarah has to be losing his mind right now watching this. Oh, he just tapped. <laughs> what what was that? <laughs> I didn't even see what he had. Did he have an Ezekiel from the bottom? I don't know, dude. I gotta see that again. I thought the because I looked down for a sec, and then I don't know. I, I thought that Maurice Green tapped, and then he's getting up screaming. It looks like he won, but the hell happened? Yeah, Maurice Green won. Volante tapped, but I uh, I didn't see what it was. It must have been an Ezekiel from the bottom. Maybe he was just tired. Wow. He's like, I got to get out of here and get a sausage and peppers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. Here we go. Here's the replay. What okay. Let's see what's going on here. All right. So, yeah. It's like a neck crank. Yeah, it's like an Armin Ezekiel neck crank or something. Uh... It's like an upside-down anaconda. I don't really know what to call this. No, I guess it's an Ezekiel. Oh, yeah, and he grabbed his forehead, too. Man, he's got some long fucking arms to be able to do that.
Yeah, I was just going to say the only reason he could pull that off is because of those long arms, man. Dude, Matt Serra has to be so pissed because if he just picked his foot up and passed the guard, th there's no way he's getting caught in that. Like, why is he just hanging out in that wide open half guard? Oh, yeah, dude, at that point, he'd already stepped over. So he was out of the half guard. And he's basically inside control, it looks like. If he had just stepped over, because Maurice Green wasn't doing too much to fight it off. If he just yeah. stepped over, he would have been in mount. He wouldn't have had to worry about it. Yeah, well, yeah. I I got to say, that's the best we've seen Maurice Green look. Um, Absolutely. You know, it was like I said, Jeff, uh, Volante had much more power, which is why he landed, you know, the one shot that he landed, the one clean shot he landed in the fight, put Maurice Green on his back. And it was, it was a short left hand, too. It wasn't even like a full power shot. Um, but Maurice Green, you know, even being put on his back after controlling the first two rounds, was able to come away with a submission. So his striking looked good. His grappling looked good. Um, Matt Serra's got to be losing his mind right now for the fact that John Vellante didn't step out of that wide-open half guard. I mean, that's... That that's like year one of jujitsu. Like the guards open, you step through it. <laughs> yeah, dude. Um, oh man, I mean, you know, Ray Longo's gonna have a fit, man. Yeah, of swears and sheesh. Um, so John Richard McElroy asked, "What the hell did Volante even tap to?" So John, what Bill and I have kind of uh, theorized here. Is, um, it was some type of modified anaconda, and the reason that um, that Marie Screen was able to get that was because of those long ass arms, um, and because Volante wouldn't step into the full mount. Uh, so you know, you, you gotta, you know, I, I, we're a little disappointed with Volante here. Uh, it, it felt like he could have won that fight in that last round. Yeah, our, our buddy John Boy McElroy from from scotland we got scotland australia and united states on right now we got the whole fucking world jeff um of course john the host of the martial arts chat podcast um that i have frequented and i i actually owe john a, a message because i'm supposed to have him on mma on the rocks for my uh how i met the matt series he says he tapped to the extra 50 pounds of fat <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's, another, that's another theory that I have, man. Uh, he could have just been exhausted. It's like, I got to get out of here. The, the the pizza shop's closing soon. There's, just, <laughs> there's only one pizza shop open in Vegas. So he's like, um, I knew if I couldn't finish him <laughs> halfway through the third, I wouldn't make it in time. Uh, our buddy Matt Temple wants to know if Matt Sarah's in his corner. I don't believe so. Matt Sarah has not been making the trip out to Vegas because of uh, COVID. Uh, you know, he's in his, his upper forties. I guess he feels like he's high risk. He doesn't want to bring it back to Ray Longo. Um, so I don't believe he has been going out there. He's been leaving it up to his fighters to uh corner the other fighters, you know, not a bad decision. A bad decision might be having your girlfriend corner you, which is what we're about to see from Mike Perry. And that's been a lot of the dialogue leading up to this fight between Mike Perry and Mickey Gall, how, you know, Mike Perry, um, is having his girlfriend corner him, his new girlfriend, because of course he left his wife like sometime, you know, around the time 2020 started turning to shit. And he was like, why not? Let me find a new girl. I, I haven't been keeping up too much with this drama, Jeff. I don't, 
I don't really subscribe to that kind of stuff, but Mike Perry is maybe not intentionally, but he's just brilliant at drawing attention to himself. I mean, here's a guy who has like basically a 500 record in the UFC and he's able to garner so much attention uh, just because he's such an animated character and he does like strange things like salsa dancing to his opponent's walkout music. You know, it's just like he does things that are so unexpected and so out of the ordinary. Um, and he's, uh, you know, now he's going to have his girlfriend corner himself. I mean, I mean, his girlfriend corner him, but he's basically going to be cornering himself. I, I don't imagine she has fight experience, Jeff. I don't know anything about her, but um, I don't know. What are your thoughts on this move? Everybody else is talking about it. We may as well, too. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. Uh, I don't know, man. I, I just, you know, I've been with the with the same gym for a long time, Bill. You know, I met you at this gym. So I don't know, dude. Um, it's not easy to change coaches, man. Like, we had this one coach who left, and I felt like me and him kind of just gelled, you know. Mm-hmm. He got along so well. I felt like my my wrestling was a lot better when he was there. Uh, I felt like, you know, things that I, that he would like make me practice and train. I was good at those things. And now that he's not here, I'm not doing that stuff anymore. So it's lacking. So I don't think it's the best decision for, for, um, for Mike Perry, but also, you know, Mike Perry seems like the guy who would probably go to a fight with nobody in his corner. You know what I mean? So, um, listen, man. No matter what happens, Mike Perry is a good fighter. Um, and, you know, it's going to be fun no matter what happens. And like you said, he's got that hit factor, dude. He's just fun to watch. Yeah. I mean, it might not be a good idea, but, like, I don't think a face tattoo is a good idea either. But he pulls it off. So maybe he'll pull this off, too. Plus, Diego Sanchez had his girlfriend in his corner for his last fight, and and that turned out okay. Wait, wait, it's that again? I, I said Diego Sanchez had his girlfriend in his corner in his last fight, and that turned out okay. <laughs> like <laughs> a weird little guru fella, <laughs> dude. Um, you know who, Bill? You you know how much I enjoy Frazier. Um, but he reminds me of that. Um, remember when Daphne and Niles were trying to conceive? Um, <laughs> not really. <laughs> Bill, Bill, you watched the show. You know this. I watched Frazier, but I don't. I, I don't have a know this so they get a um uh, what's what are those things called um the the, those women who are like midwives who help you um surrogates no 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 not surrogates um is it like a dahlia or a dollar or something a doula a doula that's that's who um diego sanchez corner man reminds me of he's like a doula except well, just as useless. Jeff, this, this this is a really obscure reference. That I think Bill, you know the show. You've watched it. You got me into the show. Jeff, we're we're already have a niche audience. It's like MMA, alcohol, and now you're throwing Fraser into the mix. We're like we're, we're losing people. But we got uh, we got uh, we got Kyle Emerson who thinks his boy Platinum is gonna pull it off. And then we got Saluna, who thinks that I hope I'm saying your name correctly, uh, saying that Mike Perry's about to lose. So uh, we have conflicting opinions here, Jeff. But 
I, I think um, no matter what your opinion, I think we're going to see a good fight here. And uh, yeah, Frazier's a good show, Jeff. I'll get. <laughs> I just from Cheers, but it's it's its own thing, which I like. And Bill might be it. Um, Bill, uh, what's his face? Um, Kelsey Grammer, who, who stars as Frazier, um, has been talking about a reboot for the show. So I would be super excited to check that out. Um, it would involve the son a little bit more, Frederick Gaylord Crane. Um, <laughs> that what are you laughing at? That's his middle name. Yes, I know, Jeff. It's just I I'm laughing at the fact that one you were able to tie a Fraser reference into this conversation, and two that you're still <laughs> you're still going with it. Well, I could tie a Fraser reference into anything. That is how yeah. much I enjoy that show. I've noticed. I think you've done it like three of the last four weeks. Anyway, it's a great show. How do you see this fight going between Mickey Gall and uh, and Perry? Because while while Perry has been getting all the media attention because of his choice of corner, uh, Mickey Gall has been you know relatively quiet, which is kind of unusual for him because he got into the UFC basically by running his mouth, like calling out CM Punk, and um, and then calling out Sage Northcutt and. Um, you know, as he kind of matured a little bit, he got a little bit quieter. But uh, how do you see this one going, Jeff? I'm actually very concerned for Mike Perry. I think Mickey Gall being quiet is actually really, really um, concerning. Just because, um, you know, he was mouthing off against Diego Sanchez, too. And Diego Sanchez beat the shit out of him. So I think he kind of learned from that, grew up a little bit, and is more focused on the fight than on getting attention. Yeah, um, man. Like, you know, once you string together some wins, then you can talk all the trash you want, start asking for contenders. But right now, he's got to focus on getting his record straight, especially in this very tough uh, – are they fighting at 170 or 180? For 185, I forget. I believe it's 170. It, it should yeah. – it should, that's what it should be. If anybody out there wants to correct me, feel free. Yeah, so welterweight, you know, it's pretty plugged up at the top. You know, there's a lot of uh, bottlenecking. So right now, Mickey Gall just needs to string together some wins. And, you know, worry about the trash talk later. Yeah. Um, dude, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a little biased towards Mickey Gall. You know, he's a Jersey guy. Um, he's also a jiu-jitsu guy. So um, I actually met someone who was uh, at, a, at a bar when he uh, was going to make it, when he made his debut against CM Punk. Mm -hmm. uh, with some teacher friends. That was my first year teaching. I, I remember it clear as day. And I was wearing a CM Punk t-shirt because, you know, I'm a pro wrestling fan. And the guy behind me starts talking to me. It turns out that this guy was actually supposed to fight the night that Mickey Gall uh, was on uh, the Contender Series or uh, Dana White's looking for a fight. Whatever. Yeah, looking for a fight. Yeah. Yeah. So it was. So Mickey Gall was fighting in his place, actually, because he got injured. And he was telling me the story. He was like, yeah, dude, he kind of like, you know, uh, to get in the UFC, you just got to be ready all the time. And, you know, I was supposed to take that fight and I got injured. And then Mickey Gall took the fight in his place, won, and then called out CM Punk. So, you know, Mickey Gall, he's not a dumb kid. Um, and, you know, I've, I've been following him. I, I like the cut of his jib. I just want him to focus a little bit more on the fighting for now. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's tough when you when you make a big splash, when you make your debut, you know, people expect you to start fighting big names right away. You know, that that's why people are 
are calling for Sean O'Malley to, to fight like higher ranked opponents. And they want to see him in there with wrestlers and, and things like that. It's, it's hard to slowly build, um, you know, build their fight experience when they come in making so much noise. Uh, you know, that's kind of like a, a very delicate situation because yeah, we saw what happened with Mickey Gall. You know, he got in there with Diego Sanchez and, and it was, he bit off more than he could chew with that one. Um, we saw with Mike Perry too, you know, Mike Perry made a big splash when he came in, you know, that, that knockout of Jake Ellenberger, it was like, holy shit, who's going to want to fight this guy. Um, but you know, then he drops a couple of decisions. People start figuring out like if they don't brawl with them, uh, they'll, they'll be fine in there. And you know, he, he goes on like one of these big hot and cold skids and, and I feel like maybe he's just doing a lot of things to keep drawing attention to himself to stay relevant because I know he has a fantastic camp over there in Orlando. Uh, Julian Williams was his head coach for the longest time. And I saw a quote from Mike Perry saying like, I get annoyed with the corners because they're yelling things at me and, and like it's stuff that they wouldn't even do when they get in there. And I, know for a fact that Julian Williams is a fantastic Brazilian jiu-jitsu competitor and also a very good uh, MMA fighter. Julian Williams is not one of these coaches uh, that has not been in there and just kind of, you know, acts like a Professor X kind of thing where he, like, uses mind control and stuff like that. Like, he's been in there. He's he's actually still an active MMA fighter. So that that's what makes me think, like, this is – you know, maybe something he probably orchestrated with his corner men. Like, Hey, look, I, I can't hear you guys when I'm in there anyway. I, I don't follow advice. I, I fight the way I fight. You know, you guys trained me and prepared me. Like, let me, let me do this. And, you know, we'll, we'll make it like a media stunt and, and this and that. And they probably get it. Cause the, the, you know, those are cool guys over there. Um, it, you know, maybe I'm totally missing the mark here too. Uh, maybe it's just, he's, He's nutcase and he wants to have his girlfriend in the corner. I mean, uh, guys have done crazier things in the past for women and they will do crazier things in the future for them as well. As we're, uh, we're seeing Mickey gall in the cage. Now we're waiting for Mike Perry to come out. Mickey gall is looking real stoic, Jeff, but, uh, yeah. What are you thinking? I don't know, man. I mean, I'm thinking, where's the stool? You know, <laughs> girlfriend's out here. She doesn't even have the stool, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he need a stool, Jeff. It's not getting out of the first round, according to his corner woman. Oh, man, I don't know, Mike. I don't know what you're doing, man. But uh, I don't know, Bill. I think that part of you know, part of MMA and part of any sport, I think, is being coachable. Um, you know, you got to be able to follow directions. You got to be able to to make changes. You know, on a you know, turn on a dime, essentially. And you, you know, part of that is is being coachable. I coach soccer. I've been I've been blessed to coach soccer in a couple of the schools where I've worked at, and that was one of my main things, man. Like you could be the, you could have been my best player. You could have been my captain. You know, if you don't listen, if you if you're not there, uh, you know, setting the example for your teammates, you know, I you're just as useful to be on the bench. Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, and a uh, shout out to Billy Quarantello, who we just saw and got his tweet published on the on the screen here. He said, "I'll give you two reasons why Mickey Gall is in trouble." Um, I'm not entirely sure what he meant by that, but I know that Billy has trained with Mike Perry a little bit. Uh, my my gym, Gracie Tampa South, has done some some cross training with those guys. 
uh, out in Orlando. So I'm not totally sure what the reference is there, but uh, I I guess I guess Billy's pulling for Mike Perry. Um, while while we're on the subject, Billy Quarantillo has a knockout victory over uh, Kama Worthy, who we saw earlier tonight uh, defeat Luis Pena by dis- by a submission, which was a big surprise, man. I I definitely thought that Worthy was capable of winning that fight, but I would have thought it would be by knockout. Uh, I would have, and we saw even in the second round that Pena had the superior grappling, oh, yeah. uh, but you know, that didn't make a difference. So worthy man, he's a competitor. He had that really nice, um, high elbow guillotine that he finished with. And that's just a nasty, nasty choke, Jeff. It's one of those things that's like almost, it, it's almost instant once it's sunk in. Yeah, dude, that's, uh, um, the Marcelo uh, way of doing it, man, and it is it is tight. It's hard to pull off, you know. I I can't do it. I still need to practice with it. But uh, man, if you can hit it, dude, it, it people tap quick to that thing, man. Yeah, it's um, it, it's one of my go tos, especially off of a uh, off of a sloppy takedown, which jujitsu guys typically have sloppy takedowns. Um, I, I like that high elbow guillotine. It's usually a long arm guy move, but if you're a short arm guy like myself and you're able to lock it up, it's that much tighter. And uh, we're about to get underway here, but uh, our buddy Matt Temple says that leaving Fusion might have been the right decision for him because he could have ended up with COVID in Orlando. And I don't know, I don't know that he totally left Fusion or if it's just a publicity stunt again. Um, and I don't know where he's training or what he's doing now, but you know that's kind of the appeal of Mike Perry is like you don't know what he's doing or what he's gonna do and like he's just he's just a character man i was just thinking it's pretty wild that mickey gall and uh if you want to sync up with us we're at four minutes 51 seconds of the first round between mike perry and mickey gall here mickey gall is six and two he's only had eight fights and it feels like he's been around for a while yeah uh bill i i paused it for a few seconds because i'm like 10 seconds ahead of you let me know when you're at like 438 I'm at 4.33. All right. It's only a couple seconds off, so we can go from here. But, um, yeah, dude, Mickey Gall, you know, he's got some experience in there. Um, I, You know, I, I think he definitely got fed his first two fights against um, CM Punk and that boxer who was like 0-1 uh, heading into, into their fight. But, uh, you know, I feel like he's grown a little bit, man. His striking's looked a little bit better. Um, but I think – that the striking is definitely Mike Perry's uh, strong suit here. So I think his best bet is to just change levels and try to take this man down. Yeah, it could be. Um, it You know, Mike Perry is, is hard to submit, though. You know, we saw him in submission underground against Al Iaquinta, uh, and Iaquinta dominated that match. But as good as his jiu-jitsu was, he wasn't able to submit Mike Perry, uh, even when he started on his back. And uh, uh, shout out to Matt Temple for clarifying Billy Q's comment because when uh, Perry was asked why Gall should be worried about him, he said, I'll give him two reasons and held up both of his hands. So that makes sense now. So luckily there's there's people tuning in who are, who are much more informed than you and I, Jeff. So that's that's why this show works because we're, we're able to all bring it together here. Um, if you guys are just tuning in, we're watching uh, – 
UFC on ESPN 12, Dustin Poirier versus Dan Hooker. We're on Mickey Gall versus Mike Perry right now. We're at three minutes, one second of the very first round. If you want to sync up, and if you don't, that's cool too. Make sure you drop what you're drinking in the comments or any thoughts you have on the fights. And, um, you know, we always post the fun comments up on the screen here. Thanks for joining in for our whatever – whatever uh, – Brawl crawl. This is five, six. I don't know, Jeff. I lost count. I had a lot of tequila. <laughs> yeah, this might be. Uh, I think. Yeah, it might be four or five. I don't know. But um, yeah, Bill. So you know, Mike Perry dominating the stand up here. He's got Mickey Gall up against the cage. But I feel like Mickey Gall in the instances where they've been clinched, I feel like Mickey Gall's been doing a little bit better. Yeah. Gall is doing a good job at avoiding strikes and uh, and circling circling out. He does keep circling towards Perry's power hand, which could end up being a problem, but he's keeping him at bay with the jab. I do want to point out that it looked like Gall's left knee buckled a little bit uh, about 30 seconds ago, and it it seems like he's favoring it a little bit. So let's, let's keep an eye on that um, because it definitely buckled pretty hard. And yeah, this is not this is not the fight you want to this is not the way you want to fight Mike Perry because he's 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 tagging him with the jab, but it every time he circles towards that power hand, man, he's playing with fire. And it, it looks like he caught a short one that dropped him a little bit just a little while ago. Um it, it's not really a game you want to play here. I mean, he's doing a good job controlling the distance here, but all it takes is one big step in. And Perry clinching here. He's got a body lock. I don't know if he wants and a big suplex. That must have come from his corner. Uh, Mickey Gall is a black belt under under Jim Miller. Uh, so I don't know if the ground is where Perry wants to be with him, but he's on he's on his back right now. Yeah, he's got like a half Nelson, which I like that he's using. Um, I just wish he'd get that second hook in. Yeah, that would be ideal. Uh, it's kind of an awkward back control and uh, Mickey Gall spinning out, but he spun right into an arm triangle and now kind of a mount, almost like a three quarter mount here. Yeah, Mike Perry definitely looking. much. He's definitely much more active on top than John Vellante. <laughs> oh yeah, that's for sure. But uh, you know, good work on the ground for Mike Perry, man. We don't talk about his ground game enough. And like you said, you know, he's a tough guy to tap out, but uh, his top game isn't looking bad either. Yeah, and and his wrestling is very brutish. Like, there's not a lot of technique to it. He just wants to pick you up and 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 slam you down hard, which is uh, which is uh, explains the suplex there. Um, man, tough one. D depending on the judges there, and. Don't attack me, guys, because I'm not saying this is my opinion. But Perry could have stolen that round with that big suplex and the ground and pound at the end. You know, if there's a judge that was like kind of snoozing and not and watching uh, watching Perry kind of stalking the whole time, even though he's getting pieced up every time he tried to close the distance, uh, and then the you know the biggest impression was the suplex. Um, you, you could very well have Mike Perry one up on the, on a couple of scorecards here. I personally scored that first round for Mickey Gall though. Um, I thought he did a great job controlling the distance. Uh, that jab, uh, it, it worried me a little bit the way he was circling towards the power hand, but 
for the most part, I think he did enough to take that round. What do you think, Jeff? Yeah, I think he definitely might have stolen that round. Um, you know, he just did a good job of controlling the cage. You know, Mickey Gall's backing up a lot. And, excuse me, Bill, I agree with you, man. Um, Mickey Gall's playing a dangerous game um, moving to his left because that is where Mike Perry's right hand is going to meet him. And, you know, the jab's working okay, but it works up until it doesn't. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, if, if Mike Perry lands one good right hand, you know, it could be an early night for Mickey Gall here. Mm -hmm. You notice uh, Perry's coming out southpaw now because Gall's circling to his right. Um, so, you know, that might have been some advice from his corner. I don't know if they tuned into the corner <laughs> yeah. uh, because, it, because it went to commercial. Yeah, I would have liked to listen in on that, be a fly on the wall, see what uh, this week's flavor of the week has to say on uh, strategy. Hey, Jeff, you don't know. This could be forever, you know? Yeah, it could, but I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> you know you don't know their, you don't know their situation. Mark thinks it was Perry's round. All right, it could be. And we got Perry in on another body lock here. If you guys want to sync up with us, Mike Perry versus Mickey Gall, we're at three minutes fifty seconds of the second round. Uh, Perry changed levels, going for the ankle pick there, and he got him down. Mickey Gall just took a real deep breath. Yeah, man. He's hanging on to a guillotine here, but it, he's got to get his hips back under him. He's got to get his hips to the back to the other side. He's got to get more on his left hip if he has a chance of finishing this. But it looks like it looks like Perry's gonna pass his guard. Oh, and Mickey Gall's going for a neck crank sweep here. That was pretty interesting. Oh, th th this could work, man. Oh, it didn't, but. Uh... You know, if his hips were in a better position, he could have pulled that off. It would have been sweet to see that. Yeah, against a guy with a weaker neck. Um, <laughs> Matt Temple says Perry won the first round because judges are casual fans. That's not a bad point. Not a bad point. And that's kind of the point I was trying to make. Like, um, from a technical standpoint, Mickey Gall should have won that first round, but I, I've seen I've seen crazier things. Um, I, it looks like. It looks like Mickey's a little too content to work off his back here. Um, he needs to he needs to get up and start doing something against Perry because he can't just let him stay on top and and hit him like this. Um, he's got his feet on the hips, but his legs are crossed. This is not like this is not the jujitsu. Oh, he's got a Kimura here. He used it to sweep. Nice, very nice. Oh. Nice. Hey, he must have heard me, Jeff. Somebody's tuning into MMA on the Rocks and Mickey Gall's corner right now. Yeah, well, you know, there are no fans, so there's a good chance he heard you. <sighs> yeah, it's true. If if one person is playing the broadcast in, in here, they could probably hear it. Oh, yeah. Like one of his corner men has it on their phone. Yeah, but, um, Bill, you know, going back to what you said, Mickey Gall, you know, he's great off his back. But when someone is punching you in the face and, and being as aggressive as Mike Perry is, mm -hmm. I don't think it's a good place to be. Um, you know, because Mike Perry, he, he's doing enough to stay out of trouble. Yeah. Here we got Mickey Gall. Um, 
breaking his posture on the double leg, which there's not a lot of guys who can who can pull that off. Colby Covington is one of them. He can he can finish a double leg with his posture compromised, and uh, there, there's not a lot of guys you could you could say that about because once you compromise the posture, once you start bending the neck, you take so much power off of the takedown. Mm. This is a good fight, man. Like Gall's Gall's in his face, but you're you're seeing Gall taking a lot more deep breaths too, which is surprising because he's usually got really good cardio. Yeah, dude. And um, you know, going back to the Colby Covington comment, uh Colby Covington's probably one of the best wrestlers in the welterweight division. You know, if we're talking about just wrestling. Uh you know, he's up there with um Kamaru Usman, Tyron Woodley. I, I would even venture to say that uh, that Colby is is very equal to uh, Kamaru Usman. Uh, I feel like the what um, what Usman did to Tyron Woodley. I feel oh, like Mickey Gall just got dropped, and Perry's dropping some bombs. Only 15 seconds left in the round. It is not looking good for Mickey Gall. Yeah, he might be able to survive, but uh, he's going to look a little shaky in that third round, man. Perry's got him mounted. He's looking to put him away here, dropping big elbows, and the round ended. Wow. Sorry to cut you off there, Jeff. I had to, had to divert to that action there. Oh, no worries, dude. Oh, um, look, his girlfriend's got the stool. She's on top of it, Jeff. Oh, very good. Nice. Because when they walked out, I didn't see the stool in her hand, so I assume she didn't have it. They had somebody else carry it for her, I guess. They got a stool guy. Um, she's got the ice going. You know, I don't know what she's saying to him. She doesn't have her mask covering her nose, so. But maybe she's better at, at cornering than, than, like, putting a mask on. We don't know, Jeff. We don't know anything about this woman. Maybe she's like a, maybe she's like an MMA savant. You know, maybe she's been giving him, she's been giving him little tidbits that, like, he never thought about before. Like, oh, wow, I never realized that angle existed. Yeah, but like she's not, but like she can't cook or anything. But she like throws her MMA, like uh, kind of like a Rain Man situation. I can, I could see that. Yeah. <laughs> I used to like, I used to like watch him like Perry's, uh, like Perry's wife or ex-wife, I guess. And she used to bring him like a paper plate full of food and like just film his reaction on social media. <laughs> like she bring him like a like a paper plate full of Easy Mac, and he'd be like. Wow. <laughs> All right, here we go. Third round. If you guys want to sync up with us, UFC on ESPN 12, four minutes, 38 seconds of the third round, Mike Perry, Mickey Gall. Uh, and they're just slinging now, man. They're both breathing heavy. This fight's been a pretty crazy pace. Um, I was kind of expecting an early finish in this one. I didn't know who was going to do it, but that's kind of what I saw. Yeah, I was kind of expecting that too. Um, you know, I didn't think this would go to a third round, but this has been a good fight, man. Very back and forth. Um, but I got Mike Perry winning on the cards so far, so I think Mickey Gall needs to do something drastic here. Yeah, I mean, depending how you scored that first round, Perry could be up two to nothing. He definitely won the second round. Um, I if if it were me scoring it, I would have it one apiece. Um, but you know, I wouldn't be surprised if the judges gave it to Mike Perry. And, uh, so Luna says that Mike Perry is funny and crazy as hell. And Matt said that in the corner, his girlfriend didn't say a word. She just put ice where he told her to put it. All right. 
So she follows direction. I mean, she's coachable. She's a coachable coach. That's a good, <laughs> it's a good, like, like, how can you be a good coach if you're not coachable, Jeff? That's what I want to know. I guess that makes sense. <laughs> oh man. If you're not if you're not coachable, you can't coach. Oh man. Bill, that, that sounds like something the manimal would say. They'd <laughs> <laughs> be like, no. if you're not coachable, don't fucking coach. No, Manimal would just say it. He would just start telling a story about himself. Like, I remember a time I put ice on myself. <laughs> and I didn't need a coach to do it for me. I just like, I just went in the freezer. I took some ice out and I put it on. <laughs> oh, man. Shout out to Manimal. I fucking love that guy. We got to get him on another brawl crawl again. Oh, dude, he's awesome. Man, they're slinging back and forth in this one. Yeah, and they're like you said, they're both taking some heavy breaths here. So yeah, they're both absorbing a lot of shots, though, too. Yeah, but I feel like Mike Perry, he's kind of sitting on them more. You know what I mean? Like he's he he's not moving when he hits them, whereas Mickey Gall is a little all over the place when he lands his shots. Yeah, Perry's got that body lock again. He's landing some knees to Mickey Gall's legs. Uh, Mickey Gall just went for a. Kind of like a Gramby roll, and and he just wound up smushed and mounted by Mike Perry. This is not good, man. Yeah, he deserves it for grabbing the fence, though. Yeah, Keith Peterson was on top of that, though. He was he was looking for that fence grab. Yeah, he's he's done it a few times already. I haven't said anything, but he has grabbed the fence a couple of times. They haven't really stopped any takedowns, but um, not a fan, Bill. Yeah, I I mean, it, it's a hard thing unless you unless you actively train not grabbing the fence, it's such instinct. Like if you're getting picked up to just reach out, if it, it's something to stop you from falling down, you just grab it. Like you have to actively like train yourself to not grab that fence, but um that's what you should be doing as a professional, for He's sure. He's grabbing the fence right now. Yeah, you just I saw you sit, stuck a little middle finger in there, a little checking the oil. Of the f <laughs> <laughs> oh man, uh, but yeah, dude, no, I, I get that too. Uh, the first time I was gonna get taken down, I was right by a fence in training, and uh, I just grabbed it to keep from falling. So yeah, you gotta kind of train your yeah. body to not react that way. Yeah, it's instinct, man, especially like. If you if you train at a gym where there's no cage wall, um, and then you're in an in a fight like in danger of getting taken to the ground, you're gonna be like, let me grab this. Oh, nice Mickey Gall! You know, using the inertia from his legs to get out from under Mike yeah. Barry. He's got a triangle here. Mike Perry, nice submission defense, man. Yeah, good step over from Mike Perry, man. And and you know he was smart. There, there's two points in a submission uh, where you can kind of get out. One is when they're setting up. Two is when they have it locked up and they adjust. And it was when Mickey Gall went to adjust that Mike Perry stepped over and got out of that. Good for him. Yeah, good He's fight. Good rapper, dude. Yeah. Oh yeah, great fight. I mean, he's not 
he's not like technically speaking a good grappler, but he's like he's able to he's able to leverage and and power his way out of situations. I guess we're gonna see a a decision victory for Perry. The only question would be, is it gonna be a thirty twenty seven or a twenty nine twenty eight? Um, but uh, pretty clear win for Mike Perry here, in my opinion. What do you think, Jeff? Yeah, I agree. I give him at least rounds two and three for sure. Uh, the first round's a little up in the air for me, but uh, second and third, definitely for Mike Perry, man. Um, whatever he was working on worked. Yeah, my my buddy Earl texted me, and he said, Mike Perry's girlfriend is a candidate for coach of the year. <laughs> hey, she has a 100% win ratio, right? So She's undefeated. I mean, we haven't seen a decision yet, but likely undefeated. The most, definitely the most talked about coach uh, of 2020. Yeah. Have you heard a coach that's been talked about more than her? Nope. I couldn't tell you her name. She's Mike Perry's girlfriend. Yeah. Do you know her name? Anybody out there know her name? Let's give her a, let's give her a little shine here. So Kyle says Mike dominated. And we're waiting for the decision here. Mike Perry. <laughs> and he's doing some like kind of wacky kung fu. <laughs> you got to love Mike Perry, man. <laughs> it doesn't even turn off when there's nobody in the arena. Like, you got to love him. Uh, oh, Latori Gonzalez is the girlfriend's name. Coach of the year, Latori Gonzalez. That's it. I mean, she's in the running, right? Yeah, dude. But speaking of coaches, we got Coach Bill on the line. Oh, Bill Eastlick. So much MMA experience on the broadcast right now. Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and Judo Black Belt. MMA fighter, MMA coach, Coach Bill. What's going on? <laughs> we got uh, <laughs> Dave Dave Spack. I think I'm saying that correctly. It says Mike and Diego are lost. Brain damage 101. <laughs> 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 All right, you know, brain damage 101, coaches of the year. You know, Diego Sanchez's coach got him a very nice disqualification victory in his last fight. So, yeah. you know, that, Jeff, that's how we should have known that 2020 was going to go to shit was when back in February, Diego Sanchez took an illegal blow and was like, no, I can't continue. Yeah. That's when that was that was it. That was when we should have known we were going to see the end of the world. <laughs> oh yeah, that was a huge red flag, dude. Like, <laughs> like that's one of the signs in the Book of Revelations. <laughs> I think it is. Like <laughs> that. <laughs> and the warrior will bow out of the battle. <laughs> Said some shit like that. <laughs> and then like the storm of locusts, which which turned out to be murder hornets. <laughs> Bill, that was that was like one. That was like two. That was like one hive that they found. <laughs> that that was to keep you distracted from all the COVID that was going Jeff, on. Jeff, the media told me that it was something to be worried about. So that means it has to be true. 
Oh shit! And Coach Bill's even drinking beer tonight. This is unheard of. Oh man, I've I've known this man for years, and I've never seen him drink a beer. It's been all tequila and scotch. Coach, you got to tell us what you're sipping on over there. We need to know. I'm still putting back the tequila myself right here. <clears throat> and uh, I'm I feel bad. I'm missing out on on Mike Perry's commentary right now, but I'll, I'll go back and watch this for sure. But Jeff, um, well, while we're waiting for coach bill to tell us what beer he's drinking, uh, I need to tell you who has impressed you so much on the card so far, besides the fights that we were live for. So we had a rundown the list. So right before we came on live, we saw Brendan Allen and Kyle Dawkins. We almost saw, we almost saw a big comeback, but largely a domination by Brendan Allen. Then we saw Takashi Soto with a really quick knockout of Jason Witt. Uh, Julian Arosa with a what I would call a come-from-behind submission victory over Sean Woodson, the up-and-coming prospect. And Kama Worthy, I would also call a come-from-behind submission victory over Luis Pena. Then we had uh, Tanner Bozer with the first round knockout of Felipe Lenz, uh, a very young Kay Hansen, who I believe is not even 21 yet with the third round submission victory over Jinyu Frey, the former, uh, Jinyu Frey, sorry, the former Adam weight champion in Invicta. And then, uh, Yusef Zalal with the unanimous decision over Jordan Griffin. Uh, so who did it for you, Jeff? Who, uh, damn bill. Um, looking at that list, man, I thought, I had my mind made up, but looking back at that list, man, this is a tough call to make, dude. So many comeback wins. I felt like um, at least so far, all the submissions have been like come from behind wins in like the the late in the third round. All three of them. Shit, dude. Um, this one's tough. I'm gonna have to go with Kay Hansen just because. Um, one, she's super young. She's 20, dude. When I was 20, you know, I, I was being a dumbass in college. So, um, you know, she her fight was pretty tough, too. I felt like um, – uh, hold on. I'm sorry. I got to pull up uh, her opponent's name. I felt like Jim Frey was, you know, definitely won the first round. Um, Kay Hansen looked like she got a little bit flustered in that first round. And then after it, I don't know what her corner said to her, but after that first round, she kind of found her feet a little bit, recomposed herself, was able to dominate the grappling, um, was able to keep up in the stand-up a little bit. And I loved her armbar, Bill, because she went from like a Ronda Rousey type of armbar um, where she, you know, uh, was trying to um, move her, position her feet in a certain way. Uh, where she was going to kind of cross them, which you don't want to do with an armbar. Um, and it didn't work out for a second. So she readjusted the armbar, turned it into a triangle, and then went for like an armbar triangle here. And what she did, Bill, was she used her left hand uh, because as she was extending, there wasn't a lot of room between her belly and uh, her opponent's elbow. So yeah. when... When there's not a lot of room there, it's just their arms just on your stomach, so you're not hyperextending anything. So what she does, Bill, is she takes her left heart, her left hand, and lifts the elbow up to help finish the hyperextension, which it, it's such a small detail, Bill, but it won her the fight. 
Mm. So impressed. I think that's a high level thing. You know, that's that that comes from years of training and having the instinct and knowing uh, when you're hyperextending, just having the feeling of grappling. So for me, I thought Kay Hansen was so impressive. What do you think, Bill? Out of all these guys, who impressed you the most? Yeah, Kay Hansen was definitely impressive, especially making her UFC debut, uh, 20 years old. Uh, but I have to say the most impressive for me was Kama Worthy, just because, you know, I, I, I'm so deep into this stuff, and I know a lot of these guys so well. And I always kind of have an idea in my head I, I never really make picks. You know this about me, Jeff, but I always have an idea in my head of like, what's the path to victory for each fighter. And I would have never guessed a submission from Kama worthy over Luis Pena. You know, Kama worthy has some phenomenal striking, awesome head movement, big power punches, heavy hands. Um, but he's not known for submitting people. Luis Pena, on the other hand, is known for having some nasty grappling. You know, he's he puts guys in positions that they're just not used to being in. With that six foot three frame and that lightweight division, uh, it, it's hard to handle. And he's able to use his body and use his leverage in certain ways um, that's very unorthodox and very hard to deal with. Uh, we we saw him even put Matt Frivola in some really precarious situations in their fight in Tampa a while back. And uh, so just going off of what I expected to happen versus what actually played out, I have to say that comma worthy was the most impressive to me, but man, uh, Kay Hansen is up there. Julian Arosa is up there too, man, because he came in on five days notice, uh, had to, t- had to take a fight, uh, at a catch weight. He was getting pieced up in that first round, you know, just couldn't figure out the, the awkward style of Sean Woodson. Who's, you know, another lanky unorthodox guy. He throws strikes from weird angles. Um, so he was getting pieced up a lot in that first round. And then, it, you know, he was able to get that. He was able to get that choke in the third round and, and who knows how that fight was going. You know, I think Arosa probably won the second round. Uh, Woodson won the first and, and that third round was going back and forth, man. Who knows if it went to the judges scorecards, um, how, how it was going to go. But, uh, we got Brady on the show now. And, uh, Grady says that, uh, that darts from bottom half was ridiculous. Um, I, I guess you're referring to, uh, Maurice green. Uh, but yeah, man, that was, that was an impressive performance too. Uh, but with that one, I more chalk up to Volante, like just not passing the guard, man. He just, he was just content to just lay on top, which I don't know why. Cause he, he knows he lost the first two rounds. So Man, I, I'm I'm so impressed with so many people. And then Takashi Sato, you can't take away from that either. That nice one-two where he dropped Jason Witt and um he you know just followed him to the ground and and lit him up, man. So many impressive performance. Yeah, dude, and the heavyweight bat was great. You know, it was only like a minute long. But um Bill, uh what was his name? Linz, was it who won that fight? No, Lynn's lost to Tanner Bozer in the first yeah. round knockout. Yeah, so Bozer has to have set a UFC heavyweight record here, Bill, for the worst haircut in the <laughs> heavyweight history. <clears throat> I mean, that mullet is pathetic, dude, but take nothing away from his win. Um, 
And, you know, I was impressed with uh, with Arosa as well, man, because Arosa, he had to really come back, dude. I mean, he couldn't figure out Woodson's style just because of how lanky Woodson is. You know, he's got a weird body type. Um, and, you know, he was doing a good job of keeping his angles mixed up, controlling the distance. Um, man, uh, you know, really, really impressed with a lot of these fighters, man. Fighters that I didn't know coming into this card, Bill. But um, I'm really excited, and they're uh, they're definitely people to keep an eye out in the UFC. Yeah, for sure. And uh, Grady has kind of a question here. He says uh, his feet were wide open, referring to Maurice Green. He, so that that's what I was saying throughout the whole fight that he could have just stepped right through to mount. Um, but then it, he wants to know if they think that half guard is superior position. Some people would say it is in MMA. Uh, you know, obviously in jujitsu, the mount and the back are the two most dominant positions, but like Randy Couture would like to be in the half guard. He would actually, he would actually walk himself backwards into the half guard because he liked hooking the leg and using that as leverage to throw the strike. So in some instances, it is an advantage to stay in the half guard in MMA. You know, if, if you're able to utilize it properly, like a Randy Couture, um, I, I can't really think of another good example maybe like a sean shirk but a lot of the wrestling heavy guys that weren't looking to pass and, and look for submissions they just wanted to beat you up they like staying in that half guard position and uh we got the split decision mma podcast talked about the mullet they say business in the front tko in the back yeah <laughs> Yeah, that TKO in his back pocket. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh man. But uh, Bill, addressing you know Grady's comment, uh, you know I agree with you, Bill. And Grady, here's the thing: is in jujitsu, man. Me personally, I love the half guard. I think there's a lot of advantages in both offense and defense. Uh, John Danaher uh, says a lot of the same things too. Um, you know, I, I feel like from the half guard, I can get to better positions. I can start attacking the back from there. I can get out from under people, but I know, but it's different, man. Um, you know, it's not something I want to do if I'm getting punched in the face. You know, that's the last place I want to be is in the half guard because yes, I have one leg locked down, but I have three other limbs to contend with. So mm -hmm. in MMA, you know, I am, um, it's not the best position for defense, but I, I guess like someone like Mickey Gall who trains jujitsu and, you know, that's one of, that's probably his main training thing at this point. Um, he probably feels comfortable with it because of jujitsu, but you're not getting punched in the face. You're not getting elbowed in jujitsu. So I agree with you hundred um, percent. I love the half guard in jujitsu. Uh, you know, that's one of my bread and butter positions. Um, you know, um, and, and I like attacking and defending with the half guard. But in MMA, man, or in, in like a street fight where I could get, you know, punched in the face, hell no am I going for a half guard. I'm getting out of there how by any means necessary. Yeah, man. I, I'm a big fan of half guard for jiu-jitsu as well. Uh, I think it's a strong control position. It's really hard to escape. Um, I, I've got a lot of submissions from half guard that I like to set up, a lot of tricky stuff. Um, more submissions than I probably have from the mount. Um, but we got uh, we got Dustin Poirier walking out for the main event right now. Split Decision Podcast wants to know who's taking Hooker besides me. Um, I I definitely think he's got a chance. I 
I feel like Poirier has better skills everywhere, but Hooker's got that reach, um, and, and we know he's got knockout power. But uh, we haven't seen, you know, we've seen Dustin Poirier in there, you know, take some big shots from the likes of Justin Gaethje um, and Eddie Alvarez. Uh, you know, we've seen him. We know he's got a chin on him. Uh, you know, will he be able to get inside? And and we know he's got some really slick underrated grappling too. You know, submitted Max Holloway long, long time ago when when Max Holloway was just about Kay Hansen's age. <laughs> yeah. But uh, let us know in the comments, guys. Anybody taking Dan Hooker in this main event here? I, I'm leaning towards Poirier. I usually don't make picks, but, you know, what the hell? We're, we're drinking tequila here, and we're all friends here. We're all family here. We've, we've, we've established this uh, many times on the show, Jeff. Yeah, dude. Um, but, yeah, man, I, I don't know, man. I, Dan Hooker's a very good fighter, but I just feel like – Poirier is better at everything. You know what I mean? Uh, and he's got the experience. You know, he's gone five rounds. Um, oh, wow. Dan Hooker's 30. I thought he was younger. Dude. I thought he was like 25 or something. Yeah, 30 years old. Three-inch reach advantage. And he's a little taller. Poirier's 5'9". Hooker's six foot. Um, all right. So... This should be a fun one, man. Matt Temple says top half cars for people with shit cardio. I disagree. <laughs> um, even even when my cardio is up to par, I, I still prefer top half guard. I'll take bottom half guard if I'm not getting punched in the face, though. Yeah, bottom half guard is for people with shit cardio. <laughs> That's a better statement. Hey, man, it gets me to good positions, dude. I, I've gotten out of some bad spots when I could get to my half guard. Yeah. So you got Grady is taking Hooker. We got Split Decision Podcast taking Hooker. I'm going Poirier. What do you got, Jeff, here? Bill, uh, my heart says Poirier, and my head says Poirier. So I'm going <laughs> <laughs> That's what we call misdirection. <laughs> misdirection is probably what I'm going to save that uh, catfish as in my contacts miss <laughs> s space direction yeah for, for those of you who missed out on the earlier portion of the show and you're just tuning in live for the main event here Jeff received a message on Instagram from a woman who wants Jeff to be his sugar baby or her sugar baby it may be a heat we don't know yet we haven't determined we haven't determined the gender of the uh, of the suitor, but uh, I encourage everyone to go back and, and listen to the beginning of the episode. It is a it is a lengthy one, Jeff. So we're just hitting an hour and a half, and uh, you know we could have another thirty minutes to go uh, with this main event. Going to be five rounds here. I don't know that it will be. Um, you know we saw. We saw Dan Hooker go five rounds in his last fight against Paul Felder. Um, funny fact, Jeff, nobody has ever beaten Paul Felder and won their next fight. Really? Yeah. Oh, he's like a no luck Chuck then. Yeah. Well, I think it's like being in there with Dan Felder. Um, I mean, um, Paul Felder just changes you <clears throat> like, yeah. I mean, you saw that fight. Like they, they went to war. That oh, was, yeah, 
you got to come out a different person after that. Yeah, dude. Yeah, they both look like they've gotten hit by a bus after that fight. Grady wants to see you be the sugar baby. Yeah, and Grady, <laughs> Grady, if all else fails, I could go for a bottom half to get out of any sticky situations. That's right. That might rank. Uh, that might rank as the most awkward comment in the history of MMA on the rocks, right there. He, Grady wants to see you be the sugar baby from bottom half guard. <laughs> all right. If you guys want to sync up with us, we're at four minutes. 53 seconds of the first round. Oh, Bill, I'm like 10 seconds ahead of you, dude. Hold on, I got to pause for like five seconds. All right, I think we're good. I just accidentally muted my microphone. If any of you want to sync up, including my co-host, or Hooker just landed a nice left hook on Poirier. Poirier is using that high guard that he used uh, in the Max Holloway fight where he brings kind of his elbow up to his ear. And it's, it's interesting. Um, and it worked against a, a rangy fighter like Max Holloway. So I guess, you know, using a similar strategy would work here too. But then again, we have, we also have a different uh, matchup here where we have Southpaw versus Orthodox. It looks like Poirier is lunging in a little bit to me um, instead of trying to close the distance. So I don't know if he's feeling anxious or or what the case is, but um, not being quite as patient as we normally see from Dustin Poirier. And I don't know. It, you know, you never know what you're getting in, in these times, Jeff. You don't know what kind of training camp these guys have had. Um, yeah. Yeah, so he might he might want to finish it quick here, but Bill, something I'm liking from Dustin Poirier is whenever he, um, whenever Hooker goes for like a lower like a body kick, Poirier kind of turns his circles his hand out and tries to catch the kick, which mm -hmm. is they do in Muay Thai too. So I, I like seeing that. I one it leads to good leg kicks from the person who catches the leg because the other leg's now open, and two it can set up takedowns. So I'm loving it. For sure, man. Yeah, I, I'm a big fan of of catching the kicks myself. Um, which, like, coming from wrestling, that that really like threw off my ability to develop Muay Thai at first. Because if you throw a leg at me, I'm grabbing it, and like that's something that's after eight years of doing Muay Thai, that's something that still has never gone away. If you throw a body kick at me, I'm I'm snatching it, and then you know, the instinct is to, to grab that other leg, which is very illegal in Muay Thai. Uh, Mark says Poirier is biting on hookers faints. I don't disagree with that statement. And Poirier has got a double underhook body lock, got hooker up against the cage. Um, I don't see any attempt to really drag it to the ground. I think he was just kind of holding him there. Um, maybe just trying to gauge what hooker's strength is like in this clinch. That's possible. Um, cause he just kind of held him with that body lock. There was no level change. There was no turning over of the hips. I didn't see any indication that he wanted to take it to the ground. Yeah. Which is a little weird. I feel like, uh, it would be to Dustin Poirier's advantage to take this to the ground. Um, 
it makes you wonder what kind of training he had and you know how his cardio is holding up because like you said we're not seeing it uh, a patient, methodical Dustin Poirier. He's kind of making this a brawl, mm-hmm. which you know he can do that too. Um, and we see Hooker's got uh, setting up a little bit of a clinch here. Um, but you know, I, I like seeing Poirier technical and methodical. Well, we're seeing Poirier is looking really good in the clinch. He just landed a nice knee and then a short elbow. I think maybe he just grabbed them. Sometimes you just want to grab a hold of guy to see what their strength is like. Uh, in a grappling situation. So if he wants to take, if he feels like he needs to take him down later on, he'll know what he's in for with that struggle. Um, and, and But he doesn't want to use the energy here in the first round to try and take him down. And that's what I saw with that body lock. Uh, I saw him just kind of trying to gauge, you know, what does Dan Hooker feel like in close quarters here when I grab a hold of him uh, in case I have to take this to the ground later. Mm. I, I saw it as kind of like a measuring, like a measuring stick. Like I don't feel like I need to take him down right now, but I, I want to know like what it's going to take if I have to do it later on. Yeah, that could be a possibility too. Um, so this round's coming to a close here, Bill. I couldn't tell you who won this round, man. It, it's looking close. They're both looking good. They're both doing the right things. I couldn't tell you who won this round. It was close, man. Um, I'll tell you, you know, pretty much, pretty much what we expected. Dan Hooker controlled the range quite a bit, but once Poirier was able to control the, you know, get inside, uh, he was landing the bigger shots. Um, it, it was pretty even. I, I could see an argument for scoring it either way. Uh, what do you guys uh, watching along with us think? Let us know in the comments uh, who you scored that first round for. Um, you know, Poirier had that nice clinch exchange. It was probably like the biggest shots that were landed in the round. Um, but Hooker was controlling the distance. Split decision says 10-7 round for Hooker. <laughs> this is this is a podcast trolling another podcast right now. <laughs> Is this a first? Is this a thing? Does this is this something that happens? Podcast trolling other podcasts. 10-7 for Hooker. All right. Well, it's the only score we've had commented so far. So I guess we gotta go with that. We gotta take that as fact. It's on the internet now, so it has to be true, right? All right, second round. If you want to sync up with us, UFC Fight Night on ESPN 12, Poirier versus Hooker. Round two, four minutes. 43 seconds of the second round. Poirier aggressive in this round, man. He's coming swinging. He's coming for, I don't, I don't know what hooker did to piss him off. And hooker lands a big one too. We talked smack about our boy last week, Bill. That's what he did to piss him off. (laughs) Yeah, that was, that was messed up, man. I, I didn't, I can't get on board with that. Split decision clarifies that they're playing. And yeah, <laughs> we know we're all good. We're all good. Who are we talking to from split decision? By the way, that's a good question. Is it, is it both of you? Yeah. And split decision. I'm all for 10, seven rounds, dude. Oof. Close quarters. Poirier is piecing hooker up here. I don't know, man. Hooker. 
you know, throwing some nice knees, mixing it up a little bit. Oh, yeah. Now he's – man, we got a brawl here. Now Poirier's in on a double, but uh, Hooker has a double underhooks. All right, we got Dennis from Split Decision on here. Now we know who we're talking to. Now we know who we're dealing with. <laughs> All right, we're back in the center of the octagon. You guys want to sync up? We're three minutes, 15 seconds. Round number two, Poirier versus Hooker. Thank you guys for joining on the podcast. Let us know what you're drinking out there in the comments, too. I'm still sipping on some Reposado tequila here. This is... um. I would hate to be judging this one, Jeff. This is this is so back and forth, man. No, it's a it's a pretty wild fight. Yeah, and I'm loving it, dude. It, it's a perfect fight to cap off what has been an awesome night of fights, man. It looked like uh, you know Poirier landed a short uppercut there that just got underneath the uh, the left arm of Hooker, and it looked like it really stunned him for a second, like it made him stop and think about what he was doing he's like wait am i in a fight right now i'm liking i'm liking poirier mixing in the takedowns but i would i would like to see him change levels just a little bit more and get under the hips because he's allowing hooker with those long arms to get those underhooks which also makes me think maybe poirier doesn't want to finish the takedown mm. Yeah, we got uh, Richard Norton Taylor is rooting for Dan Hooker, too. We got a lot of Dan Hooker fans out there. Nice yeah. body kick with a right straight follow-up by Poirier. Man, these guys are slugging it out. Hooker is bleeding from his eye. Yeah, Quite so, is, uh, so is Dustin Poirier. Yeah, but I think Hooker is just wearing it a little more. Yeah, they're both bleeding now that you mention it. Poirier is bleeding under the eye, though, and... And Hooker's bleeding like a little above and next to it, which is worse because it's more likely that you get the fight stopped with that cut there. Yeah, dude. And Hooker just ate a really stiff right hand, man. It looks like it's making him think a little bit. Yeah, I mean, we got we got a real dog fight right here. Like, and, and these are two guys like with no quit in them. Like, we know they both can take a beating, you know. Yeah, but this is all I want to watch. So it's perfect. <laughs> yeah, this is what you gotta like to see. I mean, this is this is why these guys are a main event. All right, so we got some stats here. Poirier landed sixty-five percent of his strikes compared to forty something percent of hookers in the first round. Um, so that's something. I I didn't see that, but you know the judges don't get those statistics either. So when the round is getting scored, that doesn't matter. Again, Poirier goes for the double, but he's not changing levels. He kind of grabs the back of the hamstrings and then stands up straight. I don't really understand what he's doing with these takedown defense, uh, with these takedown attempts. Like if he's just trying to close the distance. We got Mark as a as a Dustin fan. Let's go, Dustin. Um, man, Hooker has got Poirier backed up, and he's just piecing him up. Oh right yeah, now. he's teeing off, man. Clinch, knees, end of the round. Man, Hooker might have stolen that round, and Poirier looks like he's about to puke all over the Modelo logo. Holy crap, man! 
Bill, this is all I want. <laughs> this is a great fight, man. A great, a great main event to cap off a a, a great card. Angela Hill says the the pop you hear from the punches is something. I, I couldn't read the whole tweet because it disappeared too fast. Yeah, dude. Um, dude, the end of that round, I think Hooker may have stolen it, man. He had Corey right up, up against the fence, and he was just taking damage, dude. Uh, Hooker was going body head, and then that knee right at the end. Yeah. The, I think that if um, – I think that if that round, I think the bell definitely saved Poirier there, dude. It was not looking good. Yeah. I mean, it, it definitely made it Poirier look like he was going to puke on the Modelo logo. And um, he definitely wouldn't be the first person to puke while looking at a Modelo logo. Yeah. Has anybody out there ever had the number off vodka that they advertise on? UFC is like here. This is this is a booze and MMA podcast, and we have never. I don't think I've ever even seen it <laughs> in a store. I've never looked for it. Like I don't. I don't think I would. <laughs> I don't think I would drink it. I'm such a huge MMA fan, and I'm such a huge liquor fan. I mean, you guys see me drinking something different every single week. Um, <clears throat> I mean, if hey Nemiroff, if you want to send me a bottle, I'll try it. But like, no guarantees that I'll say anything nice about it, <laughs> dude. Um, we used to drink those in college, man. They they're awful. <laughs> oh, you've had it? Yeah, yeah. It's terrible, dude. It's vodka. I it is, but it's like vodka and like beer bottles, like that size, and it's a little bit toned down. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's like a like a. I don't know, like a hard seltzer or something? Yeah, yeah. If I could compare it to something, it would be something like that, yeah. All right. Dennis says uh, they've had it, and he'd rather drink hand sanitizer. All right. Yeah, I think that's the consensus, Dennis. Yeah. I mean, it'd be a lot cheaper to drink the Nemiroff. Like, hand sanitizer is hard to come by these days. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, oh, man, we got a slug fest in the center right now. Yeah, Hooker just got popped, and it, it looked like he got stunned real quick. Justin Gaethje says this is a great fight, and Ganu says this is a great fight. <clears throat> oh, somebody dropped the mouthpiece. But did you see the way he just kind of collapsed when he went to pick it up, too? Dan yep. Hooker went to pick up his mouthpiece, and it looks like it, it was just like a like a barn door folding down. Oh, yeah. Ooh, nice takedown from Dan Hooker. But now he has to deal with... A and he's in a pretty tight guillotine. And we know it's tight because Khabib says it's tight. Oh, just able to pop out. I think the sweat definitely... Oof. Yeah, we know we know Poirier's got a good guillotine because he, uh, he almost caught Khabib with it. Oh, now yeah. he's working off his back, full guard. These guys just bleeding all over each other. Yeah, dude. I mean, I hope they get tested for like STIs and stuff and STDs. Like, you know, what if somebody has HIV and they're, you know, bleeding all over you into your cuts and stuff? 
Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure they test them for, for AIDS, Jeff. I certainly hope so. <laughs> <laughs> but then again, it's like, well, you know, it's Fight Island, bitch. <laughs> like, you, you know, we'll test you five times a day for COVID, but, you know, you might get AIDS. Bill, here's my problem with Fight Island. I was under the impression that it was going to be like a man-made island, like uh, like Jurassic Park or something, <laughs> and that they were going to have like fight-themed rides. <laughs> what the hell? With with a T-Rex? Yeah. You know, maybe one gets out, and, you know, they have to evacuate the park or something. But I was very disappointed. John Volante chases you into half guard. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um, we still got Dan Hooker on top here. Uh, you gotta think he's winning this round. Uh, these guys are all kinds of bloody, and Poirier is backing up to the cage. He's gonna try and wall walk here while snatching another guillotine attempt. And he does it. He uses the cage's leverage to stand up and we got him back on the feed here. I try to stay away from the play-by-play, -play, guys. It's not really my thing. Oh, big shot by Poirier. I try to stay away from the play-by-play -play when I do this because I know like 90% of our audience is audio and they're listening to this like the next day or like the following week. But like I just get so into it, Jeff. Yeah, dude. Um and I'm not a fan of doing play-by-plays, but I do enjoy watching fights and shooting the breeze with people. Yeah, man. I mean, I like I like just talking about like positions that are very technical. Um, both of these guys look exhausted, man. After 15 minutes, what a war this is. Uh, Mason wants to know if we can just show the fight. I'm sorry, we cannot because we'll get booted off of YouTube and probably sued by the UFC and ESPN. And yep. uh, we just do this show, you know, for free booze occasionally. <laughs> so a lawsuit would not be good. We don't have lawyers or, or anything like that. But thank you for tuning in, Mason. Um, I would love to, to show it so you guys could be totally synced up with us. Um, yeah, some good action from that from that round Poirier landed a nice uh short elbow well with his back against the cage it looks like Poirier's right eye is is uh swelling up pretty bad uh he's got a mouse under it I can't tell if it's bruised or if it's swelling shut and Hooker's face is just a mess too you gotta think both of these guys are gonna get long medical suspensions after this Oh, absolutely. And, you know, looking at Dan Hooker, he's got his mouth open, so I wonder if his nose might be broken. That's a good observation, and he's he's flinching a little bit when, when Poirier's throwing at his face. Man, what a fight. What a fight. We're in round four. If you guys want to sync up with us, we're at four minutes, 30 seconds of the fourth round. I, I have no idea how to score this one, but I got to figure that Dan Hooker's ahead on the scorecards. But, it, I mean, as far as, like, their their power meters, I think they're pretty much even. 
Yeah, I don't know how to score that first round, but I have rounds two and three. I think you can give those to Dan Hooker pretty comfortably. Uh huh. Yeah, but like looking at Dan Hooker, like you said, breathing out of his mouth and all the blood. Um, it, you know, who knows how the end of this fight could go. I, I'd say Poirier is winning this fight right now after like a minute and change into it, but who knows what could happen. And Poker with a takedown caught a kick and just grabbed the hip and drove through it. Herb Dean getting in the way. <laughs> Herb Dean was like, Herb Dean looks like an old lady trying to cross the street at rush hour. <laughs> Green light. <laughs> oh man <laughs> anyway hookers try to take the back here poirier poirier sits down to guard i don't know why he would do that and now hookers on his back and he spun out and got out of it luckily for him dude i said that was so funny herb dean running out of the way though <laughs> oh man, Poirier tried to sit back for another guillotine and he just like didn't even have the neck. That's not a good sign. Pushes off the hips and cartwheels off the ground. <laughs> All right. You gotta love it, man. And Poirier hit a nice double leg. He finally changed levels all the way, Jeff. This is what I was talking about in the first couple of rounds where he was going in and he and he was standing straight up instead of changing his level down. Somebody's listening to this show in Dustin Poirier's corner because <laughs> he finally did it and he hit the takedown. And now he's got Hooker's legs all wrapped up. He's working the body. Hooker's trying like some escape I've never heard of. And now Poirier is going to take his back here. Dropping bombs. Yeah, I see. This is 2928 Hooker. Yeah, I say it's time to go for the twister, man. How can you say it's 29-28 hooker when you said it was 10-7 hooker in the first round? This, this math doesn't add up, Dennis. <laughs> yep, uh, Poirier uh, looks like he's still got hooker's back. He's he's too high. He's going to fall over the top, though. Yeah, but now he's kind he got of got an arm. Arm bar. This could turn into some into like a Kimura here. It looks like, uh, it, it could be an armbar. I mean, he's hyperextending oh. something, dude. Oh, this is this looks very uncomfortable. Yeah. Oh, Dan he's got that armbar. Yeah, but Dan Hooker looks like he might be able to step over. Now he's got the omoplato, which is pretty much useless move in MMA. Uh, it's just used for for sweeping and. And changing position. Dennis says it's marijuana math. It's legit. All right. I'm convinced. I'm doing tequila algebra over here. So we're on the same page. This is an awkward position because, like, Dan Hooker's in an omoplato with Poirier's back against the cage and he's, he's punching him. Man, what? The, the pace these guys are fighting at is fucking insane, Jeff. This is nuts. This is what we love this sport for. Fights like this. Yeah, dude, it's high intensity. It's been like that for four rounds now. Bill, this is another round like the first round. Ooh, tight guillotine from Poirier. And Hooker just, like, slams him into the ground a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, you know, Dustin's hand was a little high on the back of the head there. 
That's why he was able to slide out of it so quickly. And, uh, you know, after controlling the back for so long and, and those submission attempts, you know, Poirier might even lose this round too by finishing on the bottom because the beginning of the round was close. I would score it for Poirier. I'd, Jeff, it might be two to two right now. Yeah, dude, I would hate to be a judge. They're not good at it. And this is a very tough fight to call, man. Heading into the fifth, I, I kind of have it for Dan Hooker a little bit. But it depends how you score the first and that fourth round, dude. I mean, what do you do? Well, the the first is everything. Because if you score the first for Hooker, the, the, the fight's over if it goes to the decision. Because he won two and three. But if you scored the first for Poirier and you scored the fourth for Poirier, we got it two to two. But... If you're Dustin Poirier's corner, you got to be telling him, like, dude, we need to finish here, man. Like, you got to be telling him that in a corner. Because, it, like, the, the first round was a coin toss. I, and the fourth, I think Poirier should have won it because of all the submission attempts and the, and the back control. Like, look at that arm bar, man. That's nasty. I'm tapping to that just sitting here in my... <laughs> studio <laughs> yeah dude credit to dan hooker man for staying in that fight i think anybody else taps to that yeah for sure we got the fifth round going now i see a few more people joining the broadcast if you want to sync up with us uh ufc on espn 12 Poirier versus hooker round number five we're four minutes 43 seconds he's taking some deep breaths man they both are dude I, I, they, and they both still have some pop on their strikes. Uh, Poirier's got his hands down, and he's parrying low kicks, which is a bad sign. Because when you start reaching down at kicks, you become really susceptible to high kicks. And that's that's not good. Um, a bunch of people joining the broadcast. If you guys are drinking adult beverages, please let us know in the comments what you're drinking or smoking for some of you. Poirier, nice body kick there. They, they're putting out some statistics, and I can't even read them, Jeff. There's there's just too many numbers for me. Five rounds is a lot to to keep track of. Yeah, absolutely. The highlight of the fight for me is Herb Dean almost getting run over. <laughs> <laughs> he just like <laughs> they were they were running towards the cage, and he just ran right in front of them. And he was like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Dude, it's got to be hard to be a ref sometimes. Like, uh, like refs in soccer sometimes get in the way, but you have a whole field to, like, get out of the way. You don't have that in a cage. Yeah. <laughs> RMGO is uh, – he's got some Snoop Dream and Modelo. I imagine Snoop Dream is some kind of marijuana strand. I'm not, I'm not too savvy when it comes to uh, the recreational drugs, but cheers, RM. We're at uh, – Exactly three minutes of the fifth round. Poirier and Hooker, if you want to sync up with us. Bobby Springer is smoking sour diesel. I don't know what that is, but it sounds dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> like, did you siphon that out of an 18-wheeler? Like, what is <laughs> what is this stuff? This is <laughs> it sounds like it sounds like it would kill a horse. Oh man. Man, this fight's an instant classic, bro. This is going to go down. This is going to be in the fight of the year conversations along with uh, 
you know, Josh Emmett and uh, Burgos. And Dan Hooker hits a, a late takedown. This is probably some of the most wrestling we've seen Dan Hooker do ever. Poirier is going for that guillotine again, and he's going to try and wall walk. Hooker's holding on for dear life, bro. Yeah, dude. I, I mean, it, it's all going to come down to this round, and I think Dan Hooker's starting to realize that. Yeah. He probably knows if he could just hold him down for the end of this till the end of this round it's over but uh you know there's no quitting poirier poirier stands up in a nice combination he's not done <clears throat> yeah dude poirier going to that guillotine again and he just let it go yeah he's looking exhausted man he yeah warriors dude no matter what happens these guys are both warriors man How uh, how good would Max Rockshop feel if uh, Dan Hooker got submitted? I don't know, dude. He's been through war, so I wouldn't blame Dan Hooker for tapping right now. He looks exhausted. Ernan wants to know if Hooker is winning. We both believe that he is. Yep. And Dennis says, who's winning? The fans. It's a hell of a fight. Agreed. Dennis, agreed. We got a bunch of you joining in the broadcast now. We got 36 seconds left of this main event. And Hooker keeps going for the takedown, man. Poirier going for a high elbow guillotine now. He's got Hooker's back. He's going for a choke. He's not under the chin, but like Hooker looks like he's done in there, man. He looks like he does not want to be in there anymore. <laughs> so we got a listener on. I don't. I don't even know how to pronounce your name, but they're on here because there's no more streams. I guess all the streams cut out if you're not on ESPN Plus. So they're just going with the radio version. Poirier finishes the fight on top, landed some big strikes. He thinks he won. I. I don't know, Jeff. I don't fucking know. I don't know who won this fight. Um, I think. Dan Hooker probably won more rounds, but it, it really depends on how you score that first and that fourth. And even the fifth, I don't I don't fucking know, Jeff. I don't know. Yeah, dude. You know, Hooker looked like he was winning most of the round, but Dustin Poirier finished with a really strong flurry. He finished on top. Dan Hooker still hasn't gotten up. Dustin Poirier is walking around. He looks like he won the fight. Yeah, Hooker is like dead. He's like against the cage. He could barely stand up. I I mean, Arnon thinks that Hooker won the fight. I can't disagree with that because like the only clear rounds were the second and the third, right? And those were wins for Hooker. The other three rounds, one, four, and five, could have gone either way. RM thinks that Dustin edged it. I mean, he definitely looks much better at the end of the fight, but man, Jeff, I, I don't know. I don't know. That was a crazy fight. Brandon said the stream he was watching cut out second minute of the fifth round and Hooker lost the fight from what he saw. 
I mean, however this ends up, I don't think, man, I don't think there's a wrong call. Like, if you're looking at who could go a sixth round, Poirier won the fight. Like, like Hooker's, Hooker's not answering. He's not getting off the stool for a sixth round if there were one. If you're looking at round by round, I got to say it's more than likely that Hooker won because we know he won two and three. And it, if he just won one of those other ones, which were all coin tosses, Leslie says that Hooker won's round one, two, and four. Okay, but he also won the third. Um, Randall says it doesn't control the pace the last three rounds. RM says probably a draw. I wouldn't be mad at a draw. Uh, we're going to find out right now. Bruce Buffer's reading the decision. Poirier seems way more confident than Hooker. Hooker has his eyes closed. He looks like he is like very concussed right now. Joshua says never know with the judges now. Oh, they gave it to Poirier. Yeah. Wow. All right. So without seeing the scorecards, you got to assume they gave him one, four, and five. And I, shit. And what a fucking fight. What a fucking fight. Yeah, dude, it was all over the place. I could have seen it. You know, I'm glad Dustin Borey won. I'm a fan of his. But I could have seen Hooker getting it too, dude. Like, razor-thin margins. You, you know what it came down to? When they saw Dan Hooker slumped up against the, the octagon at the end, they got the erasers out. Those judges were like, no, man, we're not giving it to him. Wow. Wow. What a fight. What a fight. Corey's in here. And Corey says that uh, he felt that Poirier was putting on more pressure and the submission attempts. I got to agree with that. Um, split decision is out. Have a good night, brother. Thanks for tuning in. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for uh, for the ride with us. Dude, I, you know, looking at the two of them at the end, like if you didn't watch the fight and you just saw Poirier and Hooker standing next to Herb Dean, you would look at it and say Poirier won. Right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And like you said, man, uh, Hooker was taking his time getting up, man, and Poirier was walking around. He had his hands raised. So they're showing the total strikes now. Round five, Poirier was three times the amount of strikes. Uh, round four, he edged him out. Red, round three, he beat him too. So uh, according to the total strikes landed, Hooker only won one and two. But, you know, obviously there's a lot more that goes into it than that. Um, let's see. Alejandro says that accuracy won. All right, bro. Glad to see a lot of new people in here on the broadcast. Probably because all the streams cut out. Welcome to MMA on the Rocks. Glad to have all you folks on here. Uh, if you're consuming some adult beverages, let us know what they are. And let us know your thoughts on uh, on the card overall and the, and the main event and the decision. Dude, so happy for Dustin Poirier, man. He, he fought like a dog because there were times like in that second round where he looked like he was done. When he took that knee at the end of the second round and almost puked on a Modelo logo, I thought like, oh, shit. This might be it for Poirier. Like he might not, 
he might not even like come out for the third round and then to come out and the submission attempts and the strikes and the blood and like Dan Hooker probably having a broken nose and almost dying against the side of the cage uh, at the end of the fight, man, this has to be a fight of the year contender, right, Jeff? Yeah, man. Um, man, it feels like every week we're getting another fight of the year candidate here. Yeah. Dude. Like three weeks in a row. Cause we had like uh, Billy Quarantello and Spike Carlisle. That has to be a candidate. It's on my list for sure. And we had Josh Hammond and, uh, and Burgos last week. That fight was insane. And now we have this, like we're, are we getting too spoiled Jeff as MMA fans? Is that a thing? Is that possible? I think so. I mean, not, not one, it's the only sport that's really able to watch right now. You know, each, every card has been great. Last week was great. Tonight's card has been fantastic. Even the decisions have been exciting. I mean, wow. Yeah. Live, um, Bill. What's that? I said, what a time to be alive. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Corey says uh, he thinks as a contender for fight of the year, for sure. I mean, obviously, we can't forget about Joanna uh, and Wiley Zhang because that took place in 2020, believe it or not. Uh, we might have our top five already. You know? Man. Crazy fights. Crazy fights. And then we still got a pay-per-view coming up next week, Jeff. Um, I, I think we've, we've pretty much exhausted everything on this card, but um, I, don't, I don't know. You, you got anything else on – on Poirier Hooker, or you want to talk about uh, 251 next week? What do you want to do, dude? That that fight reminded me of Lawler versus Rory McDonald too. That it was that good, man. Shit. Yeah, it was really good. I want to. I can't wait to rewatch it tomorrow, like with less tequila in my system. Or although, like maybe I'll watch it tomorrow, and it'll look like. Nganu versus Derek Lewis. <laughs> it just it just needed half a bottle of tequila to make it exciting. <laughs> oh man, dude, I, I I think you'll be okay. I don't think you'll be disappointed. Oh good, Jeff. Good. Ah, <laughs> uh, Brandon dude, says that Poirier took a page out of Khabib's book with the wrestling. Uh, definitely with the way he was tying up the legs on top. Uh, that's uh you know, right out of the Khabib handbook for sure. That's a great point, Brandon. Yeah. The leg trapping for sure. For sure. Jeff, you got anything else on, uh, ESPN 12? No, I think we're good, Bill, but I think we can hold off on, uh, UFC 251. Cause I think that one's July 12th. Oh yeah. July 11th in Abu Dhabi. Oh good. So we can talk about that next week. That's, that's good. Cause, uh, we're already well over two hours here, which is, uh, Oh, I didn't even realize that. Yeah, man. Well, you know, with a fight like this, with a card, like this, this, this card was fucking crazy, man. We had so much action so many great finishes come from behind submissions from, uh, comma worthy and Julian Arosa, that knockout from Tanner Boza. Kay Hansen is like not even old enough to drink yet. 
and pulling off an armbar victory in her UFC debut. Takashi Sato with that first round knockout. Brendan Allen and uh, Kyle Dawkins with that with that bloody war, where we almost saw a come from behind win there. Wow, what an exciting card, Jeff! And then capped off with that main event that was like over delivered. Like we knew it was going to be an exciting fight, but like who could have predicted that? And we were both so back and forth of like, how is this one going to be judged? Insane. Insane, Jeff. Yeah, so much fun, dude. But, Bill, I'm exhausted. But at the same time, I'm a little amped up. I think I got a little bit of adrenaline going. But, Bill, um, what do you see next for Dustin Poirier? RMGO says Tony Ferguson. I'm not mad at that. I like that. I'm not mad at it either. Um, you know, Poirier and Nate Diaz have some heat. Uh, you know, they have a score to settle. I I think that Poirier is going to have a pretty lengthy medical suspension after this one, so he might not see him very soon. Um, and I would also not like to see Tony Ferguson back very soon after what he went through in his last fight with Justin Gaethje. So the timeline might add up there. I mean, it wouldn't it wouldn't fully make sense for Poirier to fight a guy coming off a loss after such a huge win like this, but it also makes sense because who wouldn't want to see that fight? Yeah. I say, I say let's reassess like seven or eight months down the line because, um, Dustin Poirier and Dan Hooker look like they got mauled by bears. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and what's next for Dan Hooker, man, too, that that'll be fun to see. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of options, you know, uh, e even after a performance like this, the fight was so close, like he could come back and, and have another, you know, he could have another big win and be right back in the mix. Okay. Fun fact from Matt Temple, 251 starts at 6 a.m. on the 12th in Dubai. So that means it's going to be the 11th here. I don't know. We'll figure that out in two weeks. Uh, we'll we'll be back to break down UFC 251 next week. Thank you to everybody who tuned in for this brawl crawl. Um, you know, no matter how you found the show, whether it was your stream ran out or or you're a regular listener of the show, we appreciate everybody who stopped by to have a drink or a smoke with us. Um, we had a good time talking to all of you and interacting with all of you. Please make sure you subscribe and come hang out with us again. Wherever you are, YouTube, Facebook, uh, if you usually listen to audio, we're on all of those platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, all that stuff, or Stitcher, you name it, we're on there. And uh, if you want to get a hold of us, you know, outside of the show, you can get a hold of Jeff the Animal Wilson at Animal underscore Wilson on Twitter and Instagram. And, of course, I'm at MMA on the Rocks everywhere on social media. We're pretty easy guys to get a hold of, pretty findable fellas. All right, Jeff, you got anything else you want to get off your chest? or No, just thanks to everybody who joined in, who tuned in. Uh, we had a good time. You know, <clears throat> Bill and I just do this for fun, so thank you all for joining us. Yeah, it's just an excuse to uh, to talk to each other on, <laughs> on the internet while <laughs> drinking and watching fights. All right, that's all we got for this week. Until next time, cheers, everybody. Goodbye.